Welcome to The Uplift, where we are uplifting our lives, uplifting each other, and uplifting our communities together. Thank you for joining myself, Sai Herrera, and Tessa Savala here, two women, two attorneys, doing it our way, and inviting you here each week to share in on the stories, advice, and life lessons we've picked up along our journeys that keep us uplifted, and that will hopefully do the very same thing for you. Now buckle in and let's get ready to be uplifted. Hello, Sai. As always, I am Tessa and I am joined by the lovely and amazing Sai. Hello, hello, everyone. Hi, Tessa. Good to hear your voice. Good to hear yours. You know, it's the start of a new year. I don't know when everyone's listening to this, but and I think this applies throughout the year. But I was talking to somebody who decided that they needed to have everything in place before they like moved forward. Like they needed to get their whole life Mm. together. And I'm like, wow, that's a lot of burden to put on yourself. Mm -hmm. Who made up those rules? But it also seems so true for everything, right? Like whether it's a choice to have children or not, you feel like everything has to be Mm. perfect before you do it. Whether or not it's a choice to get a new job or enter a new relationship. You feel like, you know, you hear those like, horrible social message meet messaging words about well you can't date somebody until you look just perfect hmm. like well that's messed up because mm-hmm. wow and what is just, perfect right? what perfect is but okay yeah but that whole idea that for anything in our life to move forward it has to be perfect just mm-hmm. seems so weird to me when you right like is it yeah. a idea that is cultural that is supposed to hold us in one place is it some sort of weird classism issue is it just our kind of culture in the united states that i don't know it feels like to me kind of as with an outsider lens there's a suffering that has to occur and i i would attribute <laughs> that to like puritanical stuff right like you yeah. have to suffer before you can move forward or you cannot have that piece of pie because you must you haven't earned otherwise. it yeah oh talk yes. about a bad relationship with food right but, absolutely but just think about all those examples how much that permeates this idea that mm. everything has to be perfect before anything can change Oh, and what a limiting mindset, right? And what a, what a, what an interesting, you know, I always think about control, but what an interesting like lever of control that people don't feel like that they can change anything. So things have to stay the same and power has to stay where it is until you reach a certain level of approval from who and also from who, (laughs) like just from who, you know? Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, this is so, so interesting and and so relevant right now. And and like you said, throughout the year, Um, and also who is holding themselves to these impossible standards more than others, you know, like, and, and why does that happen? And who's sending the messages, right? And And who's benefiting from this messaging, like all of that. And, and, and I wonder, yeah, if people are reflecting on that or they're just feeling all of these pushes and pulls and, and really, as I always say, like letting life kind of push them around, you know, and, 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 and that's not with judgment. That's, that's recognizing how powerful those forces are and how all of us get wrapped up in that and how we have to fight against it. And we have to be vigilant and we have to help each other see it 
<laughs> in order mm-hmm. to fight against it because they're invisible forces so so very much invisible forces and i mean just think about like that simple idea of whether or not you can have that piece of pie and how mm. not only is it ingrained in society but it was probably ingrained through your family too yeah right like yeah. how many friends do we have whose mothers kind of ingrained that really bad relationship with food into mm-hmm. their kids mm-hmm. I mean, how do you yeah. burst through that kind of familial plus societal well, I, you know, and as you were speaking, it just made me think about something that I've come back to over and over within my life is just, I think that we really have a, a self-esteem crisis in our society. I really, Ooh, I really think I like that there, idea. there's an epidemic of low self-esteem. And, you know, I, you know, as a, as a, a woman that grew up as, as a girl, like I, I think that my experience helps me see that it. um, how it impacts, you know, people of the same or similar background. But I mean, I've also seen the crisis in, in men um, and, 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 and queer folks and uh, gender queer folks. I mean, it's just interesting how it's like, for me, it's, it always comes back to self-esteem and self-worth because that is really the, um, the cornerstone on which you build everything else especially relationships but it's like relationships to people relationships to food relationships to yourself relationships to the strangers the outside world you know professional relationships I I really think that that is um at a crisis level honestly and 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 the reason I say that is because first of all abuse is very prevalent still um mm-hmm. we know that we know that that's true i mean quickly the statistics you know just generally specifically for women one in three women um has experienced some form of intimate partner violence um and then that can take all types of different forms um but you know the same for for little boys you know little boys have experienced abuse uh sexual abuse is is pretty prevalent um unfortunately um and then even when you're not talking about abuse it's it's talking about literally that that learned and and um socialized uh mentality right and and you know it's it's sad because parents always get like (laughs) the bad rap you know in all of it but you know we're all living in it we're all living in it and it goes through us and we think that we're doing the best for our kiddos because we think that that is what's right and wrong um but at the end of the day you know it there it's coming from somewhere is is my thought and i think my theory is a lot of this is coming from uh capitalism in a lot of ways of of people are trying to sell you things like if you don't feel thin then and and you need to be thin well then here's something that makes you thin or makes you look thin or you know you want to be this or that like well here's something that you can buy or you want your skin to look this way or even you know plastic surgery i mean it's a business these are all businesses and there's a whole industry that thrives financially on our insecurities so I'm not surprised absolutely you know for my work in government I will also mention that I think we should also think about how lobbyists play a role right because like Mm. these government standards come from somewhere and they come from people oh yeah clients who want to make money off of this and that's why you know I don't yeah I don't necessarily think that everyone requires the medication that they right. are taking 
because the standards keep changing and the standards have changed because somebody represents somebody oh. who wants oh. to sell more more yes. of something. Oh, yes, prescriptions. I wasn't even going there in my mind. I was going to the food lobbies because I've I've always been very interested in that because, you know, diabetes is been endemic, especially in black and brown communities um, and 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 just very close to home where I've, I've seen the devastation and um, and it is political. That's what's so interesting. Like I when I was young. I used to think like, I don't want to be involved in politics. It's a mess. It's too much. You know, it's, it's just, no, and I, it doesn't sound fun. And then you, you grow and grow and you just realize like, oh, politics is everything, literally everything, the food you eat, the safety, the trash collection. I mean, just everything is politics. <laughs> everything is political. Like you, everything that we're doing is political because we live in a place where, you know, politicians are making decisions. Um, and like you just said, there are there are different parties influencing them. And oh, yeah, with pharmaceuticals, I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's almost like an open secret now. Like, I don't I don't know how many people in my family, elderly people have almost been, you know, frankly, on the brink of death, um, not doing well go to a new doctor and the doctor is just like oh we need to take you off of happier medications and it's just like it's it's not even it's it's just commonplace and yeah. it's like something that we know now where we're just like oh do they look like you know do they look like really like out of it <laughs> you know like is that what's going on and we're just like oh we gotta we gotta get them off of all the medications because they just build <laughs> they just build right and and the same thing with food I mean I think it's really mm -hmm. interesting like the whole there's a whole history of um you know the what is it called the government like recommendations nutritional oh, yeah. guides right <laughs> like oh lord like if you go back and look at that stuff I mean and honestly we still don't it's like we still act like it's a mystery and it's probably really not it's probably pretty simple but I mean still now it's it's still a fight right where people are fighting to get their products on those guides because those guides lead to government contracts period right. like it, it like equals money and so it it just it is very interesting the way that we monetize people's health mental health physical health um sexual health um their their self-esteem right like their emotional health we monetize it we monetize everything and it's 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 a little terrifying and it and I just want to recognize how hard it is for yeah. all of us you know like I, I feel like we all have to navigate this and you know when I was young I feel like I don't know it's like you get the strangest messages you know and um I feel like the messaging I got and, and I, I think you know, I'm very grateful that I didn't have, I guess, more disordered eating, but I felt like my, the messaging I got was just like, don't eat. <laughs> That's wow. I feel like that was the messaging and I can't really explain it, but I just remember like when I was in high school, I think I just like, I did, I just wouldn't eat breakfast and then I would eat like, which this is not healthy. Please don't anyone ever do any of this. Like, I just remember thinking like if I eat just one bagel like that is moderation for the day and and that's what I would do like if I would just eat the same thing every day I wouldn't eat any breakfast I would eat this one bagel so that I could keep going 
<laughs> and then, I mean, and, and that was the, t- those were the times that I had control over my food. Like my family had, you know, control over dinner or whatever, but um, it's, I just, I just look back at that and it's just, it's just telling to me because I didn't think there was anything wrong with it. I didn't think, and I, I don't know, even now it's hard to describe like what's exactly wrong with it, except for, I was just thinking about being thin, I think, you know, and, and it's just so weird how it translates. Right. And that, that necessarily means health, which it doesn't. No. And, <laughs> Definitely you know, your experience about just eating a bagel made me think of that scene from The Devil Wears Prada where the girl says, well, but I feel like I'm about to pass out. Then I have a piece of cheese. Yeah, like, no, exactly. That's and that's really that's really literally like where I was like, oh, bread helps me feel like I can keep going. Yeah. So <laughs> it was like if I just eat just enough bread, then I can keep going. And it's but I mean, you see, like her, it's just interesting. Like that's in a movie, and it's like, do are we even shocked by that? I, I don't think so. I, I think know. it's trying to prove a point, and yeah. more than anything, I think everybody was like, yeah, okay, I get it. <laughs> yeah, I relate. <laughs> Which is so it's sad. Up. It's so sad. It's so sad. And it just makes me think like what kind of information are we sending to our children? Um, not that it's all about children, it's about all of us. It's about our inner children, right? Like what messaging do we need to undo in order to live healthy lives right now? And you know, if you mix poverty into that situation, it's even more complicated, right? Because it's like for me, um, you know, it it sounds weird, but it's like, you know, especially when there's not a lot of money, it's just like, not eating a lot or wanting food all the time. Like, that's a good thing. It's kind of a good thing. It's, you know, you don't want to be like, I'm hungry, I'm hungry all the time. You know, like, nobody wants to hear that when there's not a lot of money. So, it's it's just interesting all all of the um all the messages that are there even if we don't say them out loud it is you know my experience growing up was as a swede in the united states was different because i remember my mom saying why does the food taste different here and then (laughs) you know you realize (laughs) exactly (laughs) which said you know don't get me started on food deserts because it is in my mind totally unacceptable that everybody does not have access to fresh produce and fresh fruits and clean fruits and clean vegetables and clean meats that are not like chock full of a bunch of chemicals all the time so that you're not getting the full nutritional value out of it and it is frustrating to me, and I'm about to say something that reveals my Swedishness. I fully support subsidizing farmers and ranchers and small small farmers and ranchers, not mm-hmm. big farms and big ranchers, right. so that people can have access to food at all income levels. But I mean, talk about lobbying, you know, one of the yeah. biggest lobbyists, we know who that is going to be in that space, and, you yeah. know, and they're, they're chemical-based. I mean, mm-hmm. their entire business is these chemicals these agricultural chemicals and um and it, it's completely changed our our food systems right and so and our persons right like yes. they say that stuff affects your endocrine system like something crazy yeah yeah and so it's like literally in us changing us changing everything about us and and then we're told and we're getting these messages that you know well you want to be healthy just eat this kind of of product instead Right. And so, and so, then, so then it's like the illusion of choice. 
the illusion of healthy choice right and you know it's it's there's so much politics right there too like I remember we had um some friends and family meet just come meet us in Austin and see what we were you know doing just hang out at the house and I was just talking about how food is so expensive I don't know how we got onto that topic but I was like oh god food is so expensive everything's expensive and they were just like well yeah especially when you're buying like all this organic stuff and it was like kind of like a little judgy and I was just like (laughs) and it's just so funny right because it's like there's a whole politics around like what kind of food you buy now and what it means and 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 almost identity I mean holy you know smokes with with whole foods I mean if that's not an identity situation I don't know what is but it's like you know it's a whole cultural thing these little subcultures that come up all of these little pools of like are you this kind of person are you that kind of person um and that's that's not even getting into what we call politics but it's like everything is political your food is political you know, your clothes are political. Are you buying fast fashion? Are you buying, you know, uh, thrift? Are you reusing? Like, I, are you? <laughs> I mean, some people are literally making their own clothes now. You know, they're going back to that. Like, and it's almost like a judge of like how good of a person you are. So, to the topic of everything having to be perfect, I find it. I mean, I find it stressful just thinking about the word perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know thinking about the messaging aspect yes. of it I was um, perusing Instacart and I recognize that's my privilege to be using Instacart but there was a you know package of organic sugar and underneath it it said vegan and I'm like well of course sugar. it's sugar just to make sure I know it's 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 gone it's gone to a point of I don't know what and I I'm not saying it's 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 bad I just think it's so interesting that it's necessary right, right. it's so because it's like well first of all we have in my mind when we're talking about the food systems and the labeling and all of that for me it's about trust you know, like in Sweden or in these other countries where even like back in the day in Mexico, it was like all of the produce was organic and local, all Mm -hmm. of it, all Mm -hmm. of it, all of it. So there was no question, you know, and, um, you know, all of, all of these changes that have happened on a societal level, specifically where we are in the United States, um, all of these changes happened without us in my, in my, in my mind and and, and in my experience, it feels like all of this shifted. I mean, it was probably the same in America. Like we probably had all organic local produce at some, at some point in time. Right. Um, Until people realized that they could make a lot of money sending, you know, papayas to Ohio or whatever, like (laughs) had to find a way to do it. You know, when you said, said that it made me realize I also have to wonder did those chemicals also emerge because society wanted perfect looking papayas and perfect right. looking oranges and organic organically grown vegetables are not perfect looking. Well, and when you say wanted, I feel like that's so um, like loaded in a way too, because then, yeah. then <laughs> because so then we're putting the it on the consumer of like, what does the consumer want? Well, there's what the consumer wants. And then there's what the um, companies uh, figure out that they can make money off of people's 
in like just instincts right and so it's like if you give people these choices um or at least perceived choices of like here's you know an almost rotten looking papaya by the time it gets to Ohio versus here's this like very beautiful looking papaya they know that you'll buy the beautiful looking papaya right mm-hmm. the sad part the sad truth and and I literally experienced this in Ohio with kiwis I bought kiwis thinking these kiwis look pretty good I will buy these kiwis I, it was probably like in the middle of winter which I should have known but like I'm I haven't been you know I haven't even been con- I've grown up in a time when everything is available all season around, right? So I don't know. I I literally didn't get the benefit of understanding the way that seasons work. And so I buy them, I go home, I try to cut, it, they're like literally rocks. They're mm-hmm. like rocks inside, like they're inedible. But you know what? They already have my money. Yep. They already got my money. So did I want a Kiwi? Yes. But did I get a Kiwi? No, not really. I paid for a Kiwi. <laughs> I didn't get to eat the kiwi and that's you know that's trickery and that's um unfortunately the business models that have that come out and so that's why I say that it's almost not about what people want it's about what you can convince them to buy and what you can do to get them to buy it regardless of what they actually want you know I think that all that all fits with the whole idea of we have to have everything perfect before Mm. we can move forward to get our whole lives together or before any decisions are made and, and that's weird. paralysis yeah that's yeah. I mean, you can get to that that you know uh, you know paralysis analysis paralysis where you get stuck and that's that's tragic actually um and I actually know a lot of people like this and you know I think anxiety is another thing that's at epidemic levels I mean I hate to sound so doom and gloom but I mean it's just it's not even about the the word epidemic it's more about the pervasiveness of something how many people you know listening right now how many people tessa can you think of that you know struggle with anxiety everyone everyone <laughs> everyone i mean whether and, or not they want to label it that or not right they do. right and and so we're, we're living in a society that really um you know, compels that, um, and, and, and also normalizes it and almost awards it in a way. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then there's money, you know, then you need the pills, right. At a certain point. And so it's, it's just really interesting to me that, um, you know, you have, you have people that are, are so worried about being perfect. Um, and I, but by people, I mean, all of us, I think that we are all in this, um, and, and feeling the pressures of perfection, right? Unless, unless, unless you found a way to uplift out of it. Um, it's common. It's very common to, to want everything to be perfect before moving forward. And, um, and, and we know that it's coming from all over the place. Uh, but one of the things that helped me with that very thing was seeing the doers in action. So, I mean, I don't know if this helps anyone or if anyone needs to hear this, but for me, I, I have, I've, I've just, I'm, I'm always been interested in entrepreneurship, um, especially social entrepreneurship, but, you know, regardless, I like to watch things that, you know, and learn about stories of entrepreneurs and, and even biographies, you know, of successful people. And one of the things that I just noticed that was a common theme was that these people that made it, you know, for all intents and purposes, by our societal measures, 
these people that reach their goals of whatever those goals were for, you know, building companies, getting so much money, et cetera, et cetera, building products that were really useful to, to, to society. They just do. And, you know, I, I find that so interesting for me. It was really helpful for me, I should say, because you see them and their stories fail over and over Mm -hmm. and over again and then you even hear people who like are you know live giving advice that will tell you like oh yeah you need to fail like you need to have at least like one big fail like (laughs) or multiple fails or you have to learn to fail or you have to be trying to fail or you're not even trying like if you're not if you're not failing then you're not even you're not trying hard enough right and I all of that helped me to understand that you know perfection the idea of perfection holds you back. It doesn't help you. It doesn't <laughs> right. help you. It, ha- it, ha- it holds you down so that you don't do anything. And the people that are getting ahead are the ones that are doing stuff even when it's not perfect. It isn't. The idea that overnight success does not occur. It right. is years and years ahead. That, that shows how much hard work went into it. And for me, I totally get your idea that it's nice to see people doing it. I am the person who gets motivated not that this helps other people of wondering who created these rules? Why is mm-hmm. it like that? Because mm-hmm. I certainly didn't have any part in creating those rules. So I'm just going to act in defiance and do what I want to do. <laughs> which is <laughs> pretty normal my reaction to the world. Yeah, yeah. And I love those. That, that, that's the critical thinkers, right? Like those, those are my people, the critical thinkers, the ones who like question everything. It's, it's the best. It's the best. I think it's actually the best way to be because you, you vet things. So even if they are right or correct at the end of the day for you, if you vet them, then you know that they're right. And if you don't, then you never really know. You're just, you're just following the pack and, and you don't know where you're going to end up because you're just following. So I love that critical thought. I love and and really honestly like that's the first instinct I have is to be defiant, but the way that I pair it with with what I just talked about was, you know, a lot of times like we talked about your perfectionism might be it feel it might feel like it's coming from inside of you, right? Like you just talked about your friend who's like telling you I'm not going to do anything until I have this this and this in order right Mm -hmm. and that person might think that that's completely like self-determined maybe but the truth is I or my opinion is that it's likely coming you know from all these outside forces telling them that's what they have to do right before that before they can move on and it's just internalized right and so yeah so for me I do the same thing in, in thinking you know um I love when people say I can't do something. That's my defiant (laughs) nature of like, now I will show you that I can. Uh, But also like the same thing with all of these like entrepreneurs, for example, you know, people will tell them that they have to do it a certain way. You know, and I hate that mm -hmm. expression. I'm sorry. I'm Mm -hmm. sorry I use that language, but those words, it has always been done this way. Like yes. It has to be done a certain way. Yes. No, yes. no, yes. no, no, yes. no, no. And, and, the, and oftentimes, and you know, like I love when people articulate things so clearly like that, because then my defiance spells like, you know, they, they perk up, my ears perk up. I'm like, oh no, we're <laughs> not, that's not going to be a thing. Right. But oftentimes it's not that clear. It's often more subtle 
and it's often more of a of a nudge right like for example and i'm not discouraging anybody from from taking this path but just as an example everyone has to go to college right like everyone has to get a bachelor's degree everyone has to get a certain kind of professional degree like i feel <laughs> like i went through my whole like college and and even law school years just doing stuff because I thought that was what I was supposed to do, you know, like, wow. I, <laughs> like people used to tell me I should be a lawyer. So I was like, I get like, I mean, I feel like it's so hard to find yourself, your sense of self when you're young, because you just don't have that experience or you haven't found yourself of self, your, your, I'm sorry, your sense of self, um, where you could be self-determined. And I admire people so much for like knowing, you know, at different ages and, and for people who find it later in life, for anybody who goes on that journey and finds themselves and, and then lives truly, you know, for themselves. I think that is, I think that is like the biggest journey in life is just being able to kind of start tuning out all the voices <laughs> of everyone right. else. Right, and I also have to yeah. also like a confidence game, right? Like, mm-hmm. are the people who are supremely confident less likely to listen to all those voices that are coming mm. from the outside? Yeah, and are they confident or are they making a conscious choice like not to Ooh. listen? Mm-hmm. Because in my experience, like I said, with the self-esteem stuff, it's like, I don't know. It's, it's, it's very, it's, it's not an easy journey to go from low self-esteem to high self-esteem. Um, and, and even when you think that you've done it, it's, it's never, it's like a maintenance game. It's, it's never just there. It's never gifted to you. It's never guaranteed to you, even if you've accomplished it in, in, in whatever sense you think you have, somebody can say something and it can cut right through to your core. And you won't not even expect it. Right. And you might feel like you're the most confident person in the world until that one person says that one thing that just hits you right in your soft spot. Right. And that, that part is always intriguing to me because it's not about the fact that it happened or that you felt it. It's about what you do next. What do you do with that feeling? Right. Do you get defensive? Do you engage in some kind of argument? Do you get petty with it? You know, do you get revenge on this person? I don't know, like (laughs) all the things that could happen or, you know, do you reflect on that? Do you think about why that hurt you so much? Um, Mm -hmm. Do you talk about it in an assertive way or in in a healthy way with the person? Do you find, do you need to involve the person? Maybe you just talk to your therapist or your best friend about it. Um, Maybe you talk to yourself about it. Maybe you talk to, you know, strangers about it. I mean, everyone has to find a process that's healthy for them. And then, you know, confidence for me is really about, again, having a strong sense of self and having the self-esteem to know that even when you fail, you're still incredible. You're still an amazing person. You still have value. You're still worthy. You're still worthy of all the good things that you want in your life. You're still worthy of love. You're still worthy of self-love. You're still worthy of all of, you know, the material things you want in your life or the non-material things you want in your life, the spiritual things you want in your life, whatever your heart desires, you deserve it. You, why not? I don't, you know, and, and that's the part that makes me really upset when you talk about perfectionism. It makes me upset that there's so many people who believe that they are not good enough. That's what perfectionism yeah. means to me. When somebody says perfection, I say, who's perfection? 
Mm-hmm. Because, you know, perfectionism is trying to live up to somebody else's standards. That's what I think perfectionism is. For me, I was born perfect. That's where I am now after a long journey and struggle I with love self-esteem. Right? I, tried to, I tried to overuse the word perfect to mm. take away its power. Oh, yeah, that's fun. Right? <laughs> that's, like, so that I just mess you, with them. I love it. Yeah, so you know that things don't have to be perfect. And that perfect is not everything all in its place. Perfect is you accepting that this is how it is and it's going to be great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, 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 I, it's making me think about sometimes how I spin things in my head. So, you know, like even when things are, you know, not going my way, or not going according to plan. I try not to have too many plans, <laughs> actually, right? Yeah. Um, I like to do the same thing. Where I'm just like, you know what, though? It was perfect. It was, it was right? great still. Mm-hmm. It was still wonderful. And it was a good story. Or, you know, like, giving, giving these positive attributes to something that otherwise people might say, like, well, that was terrible. And everything, you know, went to crap and didn't go the way that you planned or you know, that's too bad, whatever. I, I like to just try to see the good in it. Um, because, you know, that's life. I don't know. I feel like life is a beautiful thing. It's just like, it has to be messy. If there was no messiness, and there was actual true perfection in, in, in you know, in the traditional sense of the word. How boring would that be? My God. It would be awful, right? Like, yeah. I like the diversity. I like the need to adapt and mm-hmm. adjust and see the, the surprises the surprises in life yeah the reminder that to be comfortable in that kind of messiness it also yeah. requires you know what we've talked about a long time our group of advisors or our group of friends our group of however we're looking mm. at it who are diverse and have the ability to lift us up right? Not those that are going to bring us down or say, well, that really sucked, Mm -hmm. didn't it for you? Yeah. And see things in a different way. I mean, literally, I've seen the magic. I've seen the magic happen over and over again, where, um, first of all, it's a skill that can be learned. That's that's the first thing I will say, because, you know, where I come from, everything is kind of doom and gloom on, you know, in one sense, like, it's just easy to be doom and gloom. But the people who were in my life that were just, you know, kind of making fun of life, (laughs) just like we're poor but we're gonna have fun anyways like those are the people who changed my life for the better and taught me the skill taught me the skill to 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 see the best in life and 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 to build on it like people like you and and other people that I'm so lucky to have found in my life that have went beyond that like I thought I was the optimist in my you know in in my circle and then when I find somebody who can one up me I'm like oh yes like (laughs) new level like you know where I'm just like anything can be um can kind of be interpreted you know differently and and time can really change your interpretation of things too and so when you get that perspective right like then then you realize like, oh, you know, well, maybe this is what it looks like now. This is what it feels like now. But, you know, maybe in a year or two or three or five, like, maybe this will be the best thing that ever happened in my life. 
you don't know that's the that's the beauty of it you know what I used to get very kind of like I think in my 20s kind of uncomfortable when people would say trust the process but you know mm. what it's right do trust mm. the process and part mm-hmm. of it is trusting yourself to know what you want and need and to know that you can adapt at any time like a decision is not something that you make for your entire life mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. it can change and it's okay that it changes yeah and I feel like so many people get this kind of ingrained notion that say I decided when I was five years old I wanted to be a <laughs> I was going to be a firefighter yeah firefighter <laughs> that didn't right? happen yeah and then now my life was... is a failure you know <laughs> right and it says so that five-year-old didn't have the opportunity to like take in more knowledge and figure out what mm. they really wanted and mm-hmm. adapt and you know what it doesn't matter if you're 45 and decide hey right. what I've been doing I don't want to do it anymore exactly that's exactly. okay exactly Yes. And, and I think it, it feels like, you know, all of that for me pertains to and relates to what I would suggest as we should all be centering ourselves in self-love like that. To me, that again, it's, it's like, you know, the self-esteem crisis that I talked about, it's, it's, it's almost like it's accepted and it's almost like the value system that's, that's ingrained in this country promotes it like you know we talked about the at the at the at the at the beginning we talked about you know have you earned that um or you know did you do enough that that you should get this or that right and for me that's telling me like in in that language of self-love and self-esteem it's telling me are you enough have you proved that you are enough have you proved that you are worthy right and that's the part where it's, you know, it's, it's beyond behavior. I know people try to, you know, kind of control or try to, to make good habits for people. And there's nothing, I don't know if that's, if there's anything wrong with, with that. Like, yeah, you want children to have good habits, good, healthy habits. Sure. But there is something there that is internalizing your actions with all of your self worth. And that, that's the part that, that I think is damaging us later on where we're just, you know, we think that everything that we show, the behaviors that we show, the the accomplishments that we show, that determines how worthy we are or how much self-esteem we should have about ourselves. And and that's the part that I want to challenge with everybody because, you know, in my mind, everybody is is valuable, of course. Like that's just that should be a given. Everyone has value, everyone has worth. And and the sad truth is is I think people are really anxious because they are trying to prove it to themselves and others. And and they're always Mm -hmm. trying to figure out the way to do that. And, and, you know, I've seen people, even elderly people still struggling with this. And I've, I've advised them. I hope, I hope rightfully that, you know, it's not about the outside. It's, it's, this is an inside journey. This is something that you, you know, you need to turn inward and, and, and stop looking on the outside for all of this affirmation and, and nobody on the outside can really give to you. They really can't. There's, you know, sometimes people are trying to find ways to satisfy the expectations of like their parents or whoever kind of really, you know, 
was prominent and and they wanted to impress as a child and I think our work now is really about you know understanding that the only person we need to impress is ourselves (laughs) and we don't even need to impress ourselves we really just need to love ourselves that's all we really need to do right and we call it I think I know I'm guilty but we assume that other people like have everything together and that's why this is happening and they do not they do not and I've learned I even like literally in the last couple weeks last few weeks I've always like been so like impressed with the fact that like you know people's lawns look perfect and their homes look perfect and their cars look perfect and I just I was like man these people have it all together it's so amazing and it's not me (laughs) it's not me and I appreciate you and other people, but I mean, literally, like, it's just come out in conversations in front of me recently where people are like, oh, yeah, well, I have bring the housekeeper in here every, like, you know, uh, every other day or, like, once a week or whatever, and then we do this and we have the lawn keepers and, 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 and of course I should know this, but it's literally one of those internalized things where you don't even think about it. You're not thinking. Mm-hmm. I'm not sitting here thinking, like, oh, these people, I'm, like, you know, not talking to myself, like, oh, these people are better people than me because look at how they're keeping their lawn and they're doing all the work. Like, I'm not thinking that I'm just seeing it and think, and Mm -hmm. something in my mind is telling me like, this is better than you. (laughs) And I don't even think about how it's come to be. And so I find it so interesting um, that perfectionism, right. Again, is, is, is an idea and it's not a reality. And even if it is some in reality, what, what looks to be something may not very well be. I mean, and don't even get me started on social media filters and all of that jazz, but you know, what is real and what is the whole story? I mean, the sad truth is like, we just internalize these things without even thinking about it. And that's the scariest part. And that's why self-reflection and and self practice of self-love is, is really important to make time for. I agree 100%. And for those of us out there who would have defiant spirits too, remember who made up these rules mm-hmm. and who who decided that was the definition of perfect. And when you internalize it, did you stop to ask, oh, do I really think that's true? Mm. Such because a good point. It is, it is um, amazing how much we absorb and we just continue going and our subconscious latches onto it yeah. and we think that that's the way it should be not because we decided that's actually how it should be but because we didn't do the rational thinking behind it and we're like yep i want the manicured lawn and i want this and i want that and i want mm-hmm. this and i think i need to earn this income and that's when i will be successful no and <laughs> when you're happy yes and happiness is you know not to simplify it but to a certain extent it is a choice um mm-hmm. you know you you know there's people with all different circumstances all different you know life circumstances that they they are happy every day I mean I've met some people who it amazes me how happy they are like I'm jealous of how happy they are I'm trying to get on their level of like <laughs> waking up happy you know and and it's it's really a practice in a lot of different ways like one of the practices that helps me is is trying to practice gratitude like anytime like I I struggle just like I think everybody I don't think that there's one person who's exempt from this 
in the world. I think everybody has a struggle. Even the people I'm talking about that seem happy every day. I don't know Mm -hmm. if they really are. Like, that's just their outward facing, you know, um, persona. So I, I, I I still don't know their, their true story, but, but we do know our own true stories. That's the only story we really, really, really know. That's the only one we really know. And nobody else maybe really knows unless you're able to really express it fully with, with somebody you trust and love the most, maybe, but or, or share your life with maybe but I mean nobody knows what's going on inside of you only only you really know that right and so for me um the happiness thing we don't always have to be happy of course you know there's a room in life for for real sadness and and grief and um complications and struggles and that's all part of of that uh, but, but also, you know, letting perfectionism or other, again, other people's standard of an idea of perfectionism, putting that on you, letting, letting that happen, allowing it and, and choosing to force that on yourself. Um, we all know that that's not going to lend to the practice of, of happiness. <laughs> and so I've, you know, I, one of my practices is, is practicing gratitude whenever I'm feeling, you know, whatever kind of way. And honestly, as we we're talking about it, I was thinking about how I'm self-programming, dude. Like I am I am complicit and I'm a co-conspirator in my own, you know, um, uh, kind of uh, level of unhappiness in a way of just like, you know, I'm watching all of these shows that are telling me this is what a perfect house looks like. This is what a, you know, perfect um whatever looks like and you know why (laughs) why why am I doing that I don't know I really don't know I it seems like I enjoy it and maybe it's it's okay to have aspirations or what have you but there's definitely a tipping point right like there's a point where and I feel like it's the same thing with social media and and almost this commodification of of the human like you know, appearance, you know, just what we look like generally, but, um, oh God, uh, it, it feels like we, you know, we, we, we want to be, we want to be in a place where we are, are, are finding something that we aspire to things that we want to have things that we, we think would make us happy. And I think that's where it lies is that just like you said, we, we want to think that if we had it all this so just right, then we would be happy. And at the end of the day, this topic for me really is about where you get your happiness. And it, it feels like when you talk about perfection, that, you know, it's, it's almost like a misplaced goal where people think if they can make themselves and their lives conform to this cookie cutter um, standard of someone else's what they call perfection then they will be happy and my challenge to everyone is to say you know where do you really find happiness Um, I think perfection is is the worst place to look the best place to look is is probably inside is to, uh, you know, look at your inner child, <laughs> what that person needs. Um, look at your present self, how you can love yourself. Like, to me, that's where real happiness comes from. And, and that's, uh, you know, I, I think it's just kind of a misplaced, a misplaced energy. You know, I think you're actually right. And I'd like to 
ask people how they see themselves. And I think that it's hard for people to talk about how they see themselves. Mm. And it's part of the, I would say, pathway to allowing yourself to just be happy in the present. Like I see myself kind of as like the swan on the lake. And when bad stuff happens, which it does, as you pointed out, but it's Mm -hmm. kind of like something that's floating on the lake. Like let's say there's a piece of poop floating on the lake. (laughs) Well, that piece of poop is just floating right on by. I'm not going to latch onto it. I acknowledge it. It sucked. And now it's going away. I love the visuals you create. These are my favorite. They stick with me. I'm never going to forget the poop on the lake. That's the best one. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's important, right? At least it's important for me and my way of seeing the world and from a, a positive standpoint and from a happy standpoint is because, hey, that lake is beautiful, but sometimes there's poop on it. Yeah. And that's yeah. okay. It doesn't yeah. take away from the beauty of the lake. And is that perfect? Mm. No. But is that like perfect for me? Yes. Mm. And that's, yeah. I think, the big difference on perfection, right? Like, is are you determining perfection based on society's views or is it something that's perfect for you? And I love that. And, and it, it makes me think of the way that I think about life generally um, and, and perfection, because like I've been saying, perfection is, you know, whose perfection, whose standard, right? And what I like to think about all the time is, is that we're each creating the lives that we want to live and, and the lives that are perfect for us. Yeah. And, you know, um, I understand that everyone has different challenges in life to, to create the life that they want, but I really believe one of the biggest things, and maybe this is, you know, maybe this is ignoring some kind of privileges that I have had, but I really think that that, I I mean, because I've seen it, you know, I've seen people of all different stations doing it. It's, it's, it's the mindset, right? It's, it's, it's letting those voices come in from the outside that are telling you, this is how you're supposed to do it. This is what it should look mm-hmm. like. This is what perfectionism is. You, this is what you should be doing. Um, and, and for me, that's literally someone telling me how to live the life they want, which doesn't make exactly. any sense, right? Like if, exactly. you, if you take ownership of, of, of your life and, and, and what you want to see it be, then, and, and, you, and, and, you, and you know that this is what you're doing intentionally and you reject, you reject the voices of people who are telling you it should be another way because you know what you're doing. You know that you're intentionally building towards this, this vision of the life that you have for yourself. That to me is a big key part of it where perfectionism, you know, it has no more meaning now, right? Because again, it's somebody else's life. And so I've, I know that I've had people, even when I was young, tell me this isn't right. This isn't what you should do. This isn't who you should be with or where you should go or blah, 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 blah. And that's how I think of that because it means nothing to me. <laughs> and, and just like a snoopy teacher, just <laughs> rah, 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 rah. Because for me, you know what I've learned so much? I mean, the best thing about psychology, I think that I learned was about projection. Because people are projecting their stuff onto you. They are seeing you do something that they are uncomfortable with. 
So they feel that they have to tell you that that is not the right thing to do. And what they're really telling you is that is not the right thing for them. And if you literally just understand that, then it's easy to ignore these people because, <laughs> because if you know that they're telling you what's right for them or what they think that they should do for them or what they would or wouldn't do, you can just uh, you know attribute that to, okay, well, then that's what you should do with your life. And I'm going to do what I want with my life. And, and I, I don't know how I got that. That is one thing that I got when I was young where I was just like, I don't know, you have to live your life. So you make your decisions <laughs> and I have to live my life. So I'm going to, you know, make my decisions and I'll live with them, you know, and, and that's, you know, that's served me. So I just felt compelled to share that because that has helped me through a lot of um, naysayers and negative voices and people who said no and you shouldn't and you can't and you won't and you'll never you mean you know I just turn that around and I say you think that you could never do that you think that you will never do that you think that you should never do that that's got nothing to do with me honey <laughs> and I, <laughs> nothing you know, to do with me. I think we could take that to a macro level too where all these notions in society of like, you have to have all your stuff together before you do mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. that's what everybody else thinks that doesn't need mm -hmm. to be how you think absolutely that's what they're telling you they're telling you oh you can't mm, no you can't you can't you can't move until you've got a good career and you're making this much money and you know you can't have I mean you mentioned the kid thing and I didn't mm -hmm. even talk about this but like that literally was my experience of when I was younger I knew I wanted to have a child, but um, I remember talking about it with some of the older women in the law firm that I was working at, and and I and I literally was the person that you're talking about, Tessa. Like I was her. I was the person who was like, "Well, I have to have this, and I have to have that, and I have to everything has to be perfect before I have a child." And this woman gave me some incredibly wise advice. She just looked at me and said, "Honey, if you wait until everything's perfect, you will never have a child." Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, that sounds right. <laughs> That's probably true. <laughs> and I think true for all decisions, right? Like, yeah, exactly. true for any goal you exactly. want to attain. Yes. And, and, and I've seen it. Let me just give you another example of this. So one of the things that um, is limiting is uh, when I was young, out of college, um, didn't have money. A lot of my, I was working as a nanny for people who had a lot more money than me, right? I was like, hey, I need a week off because I'm going on a cruise. And they were like, what? Like, they know how much money I make. They pay me, right? <laughs> and they're like, how mm -hmm. are you going on a cruise? And I was like, I'm going on a cruise because I always wanted to go on a cruise. And I have the, I, you know, found an opportunity. So I'm going to go. And they're like, we've never even been on a cruise. These are people, you know, 10, 20 years my senior with so much, so much more money at the time than I had ever, ever seen. Um, and they were like shocked. And, and I think that they were shocked about the fact that they never did it, even though they clearly obviously wanted to, like they were jealous of me. And it was just so funny to me because it showed me that the only thing holding you back is yourself. Like literally your yeah. mindset of what you believe can and cannot happen is what holds you back because it, for them they thought that they couldn't go on a cruise I guess which was not true <laughs> but, <laughs> but they just never they never you know prioritized it they never made it a reality for themselves they never seen it as a reality for themselves so you know please don't let anybody tell you that like having vision is a bad thing like that's how I describe it now but people have put me down in the past by saying you know I'm a dreamer 
or I am like, you know, pie in the sky, whatever, whatever, whatever they want to call me again, blah, 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 blah. I don't hear it, but (laughs) I have rebranded it into having vision. Having vision is a great thing. It's a great thing. And it's a leadership quality. And I think this is a good place to conclude on that note, because everybody should remember your vision works for you and it doesn't need to work for anyone else and go for it and make sure you have people around you who are there to support you and build you up not tear you down yes 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 all of that thank you for this conversation tessa and thank you everyone for listening in and and making this um these types of conversations possible i hope that they're uplifting you as much as they uplift me Every time we chat, it's an uplift for me. And I hope (laughs) it is for everyone who's listening too. Until next time, guys. Take care.